Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. Hey, so grab your Bibles if you would on your phone or your device or in the row in front of you or the one you brought. Luke chapter 15. We're going to spend, um, it's on page uh, 1047 in the Bible that's by you there. We're going to spend the next um, uh, six or seven weeks together uh, thinking about a, and studying together a parable that Jesus taught that is very common, very well known. It's perhaps, it's probably his second best known uh, parable. And there's always a danger when we teach something that's very familiar and that is what? Been there, done that, right? I know it. I, I got it figured out. And, and, and my hope, our hope, as we go through this passage together, is that, um, that it jars you in some new ways and that you will see yourself in this parable, maybe in some ways that you've never seen yourself, and that God would challenge you and maybe strip away some stuff and um, that he changed you from the inside out. So I just I want to ask you to try to look at it with new eyes and try to really listen and, and dig into the word yourself. Um, uh, now, in most of your Bibles, there are headings. Uh, and the headings are, they'll, sometimes they're bold or sometimes they're italicized or sometimes they're a little larger text. Uh, l- larger text. And what those headings are there for is to kind of help you get a summary, just get a quick and two or three or four words, an idea of what the next paragraph or the next section is all about. And I, I hope you know this, that those headings are not Bible, right? They're not inspired, like in our Gospel of Luke. Luke didn't write the heading. Some person about 2,000 years later, kind of in our era, wrote that heading because they thought that that best summarized the that chapter or that section in, the, in, in that chapter. And a lot of times the headings are really helpful, but sometimes they're not very helpful. In fact, sometimes they kind of cloud our understanding of a passage. And I think that that's the case with the heading on the passage we're going to look at. If you look down to chapter 15 of Luke, down to verse 11, I looked in about 10 or 11 Bibles, and here are the headings that I came across. The parable of the lost son, or simply the lost son, or the prodigal son. Most of the, most of the headings um, seem to indicate that this story is about one son. But what we're going to discover is that there's not just one son in this story, is there, that there's more than one son, and that the story is really about two sons. And not, but yet none of the headings... Are, we, I did, we did find one version, the New Revised Standard Version, that said the story of two sons. But that was the only version of the Bible that we could find. And I think one of the things that we're going to see over and over again in this story is that things are sometimes not as, as, as they first appear. That sometimes things are not uh, what they look, at, look like at our first glance. And I think that's really going to be true of this story of the two sons. Uh, things are, in, in life, things aren't always what they seem, are they? 
Um, I went on the internet. April gave me 15 minutes of screen time this week. And uh, to her, you know, she wasn't real sure about it. And I came across some pictures of some things that are not what they first appear to be. This is not a two-headed dog, right? Okay, but at first, at first glance, it looks like it is. It's not, none of these pictures, by the way, are Photoshopped. They're just taken at odd or unusual angles, right? So here's the two-headed. Oh, now here's a girl that I'm not interested in meeting. Uh, I think her boyfriend's arm was misplaced uh, there, right, somehow. Kind of weird, right? I don't want to meet this gal. Okay. Now, this is for our Canadian friends. Uh, Number 59 does have a head. It's just not in the helmet at this very moment, okay? And here's one more. Yeah. Oh! And this is a weird... You know, usually you say babies are cute. Not in this situation, right? That is awesome. And I want to see, have some of you try some of these, okay? See what kind of weird pictures you can come up with. Well, so I think Jesus' story about, um, about, this, uh, about these two sons is, is a story that's kind of like that. Um, uh, the story goes from, uh, I'm going to read it to you, uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Isn't that interesting? Here's the heading. My Bible says the parable of the lost son. And then it said, Jesus continues, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got got everything he had together, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything there, Uh, everything he had. There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went, and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. And he threw his arms around him. And he kissed him. And he kissed him some more. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupted. And he said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate For the son of mine was dead, and he is alive again. He was lost, and he's found. And they began to celebrate. Amen? Amen? Amen. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked, the servant, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because of him, because he's back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. 
So his father went out, and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I've never, ever, ever disobeyed any of your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home. You kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he was found. So you have two sons. The one son is really easy to identify, right? Like if you open the dictionary and you thumb to the word rebel, his picture would be there, right? I mean, you would know who he is immediately. He looks like a rebel. He smells like a rebel. He sounds like a rebel. He acts like a rebel. He's a rebel, and he knows that he's a rebel. And the other son in the story, what does he look like? You open up the, 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 in your dictionary to the word self-righteous, And you'll see his picture there too, right? He really, really looks and smells and sounds and acts righteous. But he is not what he seems. You see, this story is not about one lost son. It's about two lost sons, isn't Isn't it? It's a a story about, about two sons who have both run away from their father. That's really what's happened in the story as we dig into it in the next week we're going to see. Is both of these sons have run away from their father. They've just gone different directions. And one direction is so obvious and the other direction is much more subtle and, and I think much more dangerous and perhaps one that most of us church people are more likely to take the way that the older brother ran away from his father. It's a story of two boys. Both of them are alienated alienated from their father. Both of them want the same thing from their father, but both of them take very, very different routes to try to get to their father. And I think that Jesus, this is a parable, by the way, right? These things didn't really happen. And Jesus shapes and crafts this story you see, we, we know it's a parable, don't we? Because verse 11, or, or um, uh, verse 3 tells us, then Jesus told them this parable, and he actually tells them three parables. So this story didn't actually happen, but it could have. And I think Jesus is using hyperbole. I think Jesus is using some humor and some caricatures to paint these two caricatures bigger than life so that we don't miss it. He's not being subtle at all in telling this story. And sometimes subtlety is the best way to communicate things. But sometimes, sometimes bigger than life is even better because you just can't miss it. You've just, you've just got to begin to understand what's going on here. And, and so this parable, go back up to verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. And he, he actually he tells them, he tells them three, three stories. He tells them the story, the parable of a lost coin, the lost son, and then the parable of the two lost boys. And I think, I think one of the reasons that he tells a story is because a story is kind of like music, isn't it? 
And a story can sometimes kind of get underneath the surface in a way direct confrontation doesn't. And Jesus is really very confrontational in this story. But he tells it in a story form so people sit and listen and they get involved. They go, wow, that happened? That son did that? I can't believe he did that. But then they also listen to the story about the lost older brother. And I, I think they have to listen. And I think they have to begin to wonder, is Jesus talking about me? And I think every single one of us here are the younger, rebellious son in need of our Father's grace, right? I think every single per- I know every single person is, it can identify with that younger son. But I think that most of us, me first, have some older brotherness in us too. And Jesus wants to in a way, catch us off guard. Because if I were just to come up to say and say to you, oh, you're certainly an older brother, aren't you? You're pretty self-righteous about this. Most of you would back down. Oh, no way, that's not me. But as we listen and watch and see his actions and his reactions of the older brother and, and begin to see some of his motivation and hear some of his words, we begin to realize that There's some of that inside of us as well. So I think Jesus tells tells this in a story form to try to get underneath the surface of some of our cognition so that we, he wants to challenge us and he wants to change us. And sometimes an exaggerated story is one of the very best ways to do that. Now, let's go to the beginning, chapter 15, verse 1. What's the setting of this story? Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were muttering. (laughs) As a prayer request, of course. This man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. <laughs> Did you see what they're wearing over on the other side of the church? As a prayer request, of course. Did you notice what kind of music they listen to over there? Did, did, did you? Is this a prayer request? Prayer request only here. Do you notice they wear flip-flops to church over on that side of the church? I just can't even. Prayer request only. Prayer request only. Right? And this muttering, this, 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 uh, this kind of mumbling. Now, now in, in verses 1 and 2, this is not parable yet. This is pre-parable, right? Verses 1 and 2. The parable is a made-up story. Verses 1 and 2 are real people. This is pre-parable. And, and, and just like there's two sons, right? There are two groups of people. And just like there's two lost sons in need of salvation and rescue, there are two groups of people, both lost and both in need of salvation. 
You, you, you see the parallels here? This is, this is not accidental that this is when and where Jesus tells this story. And if you would have walked into this crowd uh, and you were to survey verses 1 and 2, you would know immediately who the church people were and who were not the church people, right? It wouldn't take you long. Now, I'm saying church people. Uh, the church had not yet been born. It was, very soon it was going to be born, but it had not yet born. These were synagogue people and non-synagogue people. But church is what we identify with. So that's the kind of language we're going to use in this series. So, so you would come to this party or this gathering, this dinner, and you would know immediately who you wanted to sit with, right? It wouldn't take you long. You could, you, could t- you could smell, you could hear, you could look and see. You knew who the younger brothers were, right? And you knew who the older brothers were. You knew who the rebels were, and you know who the righteous people were in that group. You knew who the saved were and who the sinners were, who the righteous and the rebels. And the rebels are really easy to spot in verses 1 and 2, don't they? They're the tax collectors, the sinners the prostitutes, the refugees, the de-churched, the unchurched, the, 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 the uh, overly churched, the over-the-church people, right? They're the, they're the fringes. They're the handicapped. They're the ones that have been left outside um, by the people in the church. And, and they're just really, really easy to see. They're, the rebels are obvious to see. Our friend Larry Osborne, pastor up at North Coast Church, he, he, he says that, that uh, one of the things he loves about his church and one of the things I love about church, our church is that sometimes rebels show up at church on Sunday morning. Yeah, isn't, that's a good thing, right? But sometimes it kind of throws you for a loop a little bit, right? Like, oh, boy. Derek, would you take care of the rebels? That's kind of your area of ministry, you know. Or, or Mike, would you? Or Susan, would you take care of the rebels? Because I'm not real sure that I, I'm not real comfortable. So Larry says this one day this guy came and he listened to the sermon. And the guy came right up to him. And Larry said as the guy came up to him, he says he could tell he was a rebel. You know, he was dressed like a rebel, whatever rebels dress like, and smelled like a rebel and sounded like a rebel. And he came right up to Larry and said, hey, man. He says, that was a hell of a talk, preacher. Whoa, whoa, hey, I don't even know if you're supposed to use that word in church, you know, a hell of a talk. Well, you could tell that guy's a rebel, right? And Larry rejoiced that that guy was in church on Sunday, amen? And those are the guys, that, because that's us, right? We just have cleaned it up. You use hell out in the parking lot. I hear you sometimes out there. And what, but you say that was a hell of a sermon, but you don't mean what that guy meant when he said it, Right? You know, you know, we think those same kind of things. We just have learned to dress, not like the dress, when I say not, I'm talking about clothes, but we've learned to act not like the rebels, but we've learned, learned to act like the Pharisees and the tax collectors, the, and the teachers of the law, right? We've learned to dress and act and be and pretend that we're more righteous than we are. And I just love that. I just, I just love that people would feel comfortable to come to a talk, come to a church, and call a message a talk, and describe it so vividly. And, and that's something I hope for Paseo del Rey to grow in, that, that, our, our, that, that because of us, it's not because of our building or anything else or our times, but because of us that we communicate to people that, 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 
that outsiders are welcome here, that, that we invite outsiders to come to be with us so that they understand and that they get to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Um, and that no, and notice this about, the, about these tax collectors and sinners in verse, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. It's a, it's a part, present participle, there were. They continually were gathering around Jesus. And there was something about Jesus that, that the broken and the de-churched and the unchurched and the over-churched and the over-the-church people loved to be around him. They loved to be around him. In fact, in the previous chapter, Jesus says when you have a party Go and invite the lame and the poor and the beggars and the blind to your party. They're the ones that I want to come into this party. He wants all people to come in. He says those are the people who get left looked overlooked so often in our culture and in our churches too. Because I just want to hang around the other righteous people and just kind of pat ourselves on the back, right? We can get in, we can become like those, like that older brother sometimes. And what was it about Jesus? Well, there's no one holier than Jesus. It wasn't a holiness issue that Jesus was not being holy around him. It wasn't that Jesus wasn't being truthful around him. He is, he is the truth. It's not that Jesus pulled any punches with these guys and gals, was it? But there was something about Jesus that when he, he gathered around them and they gathered around him, what did they feel? What did they feel? unconditional love, what else did they feel? They they felt accepted. Wow. What else did they feel? Safe. They must have felt safe around Jesus. Now, I don't think Jesus pulled any punches. It's not like Jesus said, oh, you guys are great. You're going to go to heaven just like you are. This is awesome. Keep sinning. Keep prostituting yourself. Keep cheating people. We know he didn't, did he? He spoke the truth, but he spoke it in such a way that they knew that they were safe. I like that. That they were unconditionally loved. That they were accepted with Jesus. He told them the truth, right? Don't forget that. Don't forget that as we interact. But there was an attractiveness about Jesus that, in a, in a way, he identi- in, in verses 1 and 2, he identified more with the de-churched guys than he did with the church guys. Now, I don't think that could be said about me. You know, I, I've got a pretty high church GPA. And, and most, not all of you, but some of you do too, right? I'm not going to name any names here this morning. Uh, but we've, I've learned to m- mostly look somewhat, self, somewhat righteous, right? And I've learned what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. But yet what's going on inside of me, the mess that's inside of me... Um, I don't let people see that. Now, when I do that, when I don't let people see that, what does that say to the person who's so obviously a mess? I don't belong here. I'm not part of this. Because you've got to look or dress. Or, I'm not using the word dress again about clothes as much. 
but I, I need to appear to be like these people, and I'm not. And you've talked to people, and I've talked to people who have come to our church or come to another church that they just say, gosh, we like it, and it's good, but those people are so much better than I am. And it's like, uh-uh. So I want to ask God to help Paseo del Rey. And this is, Paseo del Rey is the best church in the world. I just want us to be better and more fruitful for him. Um, I want to pray that there would be something about us as individuals, and then when we're corporate, then it happens corporately too, but it starts individually inside of us, that we would be less worried about being right and proper and more letting Jesus make us attractive to the younger brothers or to the to the outsiders to the what G, what's called here the tax collectors and sinners in our world that they'd be drawn and they would see that we're all a mess that we're all lost and what we all need is the good news of Jesus Christ and his rescue in our lives we don't do it ourselves we don't become something by ourselves. It's all him doing it and to change us. So you've got these two different groups of people, like you have two sons, two lost sons, two groups of people in verses 1 and 2 that are lost, all in need of the gospel. You've got the, the, the tax collectors and sinners. They're the rebels. They're the younger brothers. And then you've got the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These are the church guys. These are the not hell of a talk guys. In fact, if you use the word hell in church, they would make sure there'd be a committee meeting. There would be a nine-page report written up of why you are not welcome at this church anymore, but there's a church down the road you can go to, thank God. Right? Right? I mean, that's what we specialize in policy, right? Let's create a big, fat policy about this thing here, and we'll get it all fixed up. Um, these are the these are the guys that are so self-righteous, and you can usually tell them because their faces get screwed up when something goes wrong. And then they have this funny vocalization, don't they? Murmur, 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 murmur. All in, all in the name of prayer request, right? They're always complaining. They're always kvetching. They're always murmuring about something that's not quite right at church, you know? I mean, look what they murmur. This is, this is so interesting. Get this. They're, they're ticked off, all right, right? They're ticked off that Jesus is hanging around younger brothers, around the broken and the messy, the de-churched, the unchurched, and all that. They're so angry at Jesus that they preach the gospel. This is really cool. Rah, 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 rah. Verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Hallelujah! Yeah! That's good news, isn't it? But they were using it as indictment, right? And what they were trying to do is they thought that they had earned God's love by their GPA, right? Which is t- a temptation for all of us that have been, been in, growing in our faith, or growing in being Christians, is we have this tendency to think, well, I'm pretty good, and the reason that I've, this happens to me is because I kind of do some good things for Jesus, and it's a good thing to do good things for Jesus, right? That's a good thing, important thing. And the reason those people aren't very good is because 
the Muslims aren't very good because of this, and the refugees aren't very good for this, and this group's not very good because of this, and that group's not very good for this. And when we say that, that's it. what we're saying really is the gospel's for us, and that I deserve God's love, and I deserve His acceptance and His safety. And they're saying, and those people don't. Those people you fill in the blank who those people are. You know, you know in your heart, in your mind, who those people are in your life. See, things are not always as they seem in stories like this. Verse 3, then, <laughs> after Jesus lays out the players, right? The, the, the sinners, the younger brothers, they're gathered around Jesus. And then there's, you've got the Pharisees and the older brothers who are ticked that Jesus is hanging around these guys. Then Jesus told them this parable. And then he tells them really three parables, and we're going to concentrate on the third parable. Then Jesus told them this parable. Who is the them in verse 3? Well, you, you look back to the nearest antecedent. My English teacher in eighth grade would be proud of me for that, remembering that word. I have no idea what it means. But if you, if you look back at the nearest antecedent, it's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And what I want to suggest to you is this, is that Jesus is primarily, not exclusively, primarily preaching this message to the church guys. See, we, a lot of times this is a story about people who need the gospel and they're rebellious and, 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 and oh, isn't that really cool when they come to know Jesus? Yes, it is. But I don't think that's the primary point of this, of this passage. I think Jesus is saying to the church guys, i.e. Gary Bowman, i.e. you, how are, are you every single day receiving the gospel into your life? How are you, by your superior self-righteous attitude, your self-centeredness, your you, I've got it figured outness, um, I've been around this block before, how are you blocking the younger brothers from having dinner with me and coming to know the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I think that the Pharisees, just like you and me, we do it unwittingly. We do it not intentionally. And that's Jesus' point. I want to just grab you by the collar, and you decide, do I need to shake you just gently, or I need to shake you hard? Because here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem with being the older, unrepentant older brother, thinking we don't need the gospel every single day of our lives, is we miss the party. And we block others from getting to the party. You know, this parable ends bad. It's a dark ending. It is not a happy happy ever after ending. And when we when we don't understand how much older brotherness has crept into us, we miss the party, the joyful party with our father every day. And we block those lost brothers, those younger, excuse me, those younger brothers from coming to know Christ. Um, In verse 2, I just, that this man, oh, the disdain that they have for these people. And the target of the story is not so much the the younger rebels, but the bullseye is the people that is the church people. And you see, the gospel is is not just the ABCs. It's not just, okay, I'm going to get started with the gospel. 
What Jesus wants to tell all of us is the Gospels are the A to Z. It's the Alpha and the Omega. It's the beginning to the end. We never outgrow our need of the Gospel. Every single day we need the Gospel. Pharisees, Pharisees uh, and, 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 and um, uh, tax collectors and prostitutes, all of us need the Gospel every single day. But as the years go on, it's, there's a tendency, there's a temptation for us to become more like that older brother. And one of the things I want to do is to challenge myself in this series and I want to challenge you. We're going to challenge you hard. Is how much older brother do you have inside of you? Because I don't want you to miss the joy of the father's party. I don't want to miss it. And I don't want, I don't want you or me to block and to hold our hands up and keep the rebels out. Those are the ones Jesus wants in, right? Because all of us, all of us, every single one of us is a rebel younger brother. Every single one of us, and many of us, are part older brother as well. Um, I bought a couple of new cars in my life, and uh, it's a, a neat experience. And, and the car dealer I go to, uh, Fuller Honda, um, I love them down there, and uh, they're just—they've been so good to us. But I've, I've noticed something about car dealerships: is when you you go into the showroom. It is really nice in there, isn't it? I, I just love to go and sit. Just sit. Ah, that smell, you know. What is that smell? It's oil. I know it is. You know, it's just petroleum products, you know. But it's just, they make it smell really good. And I don't know, you know, if you've bought a new car, but you buy a new car, you spend $20,000 on a new car or something. You know what? They serve you free coffee. It's not very good coffee, but when, when something's free, it just really is good, isn't it? And those styrofoam cups are just, I mean, and they'll actually give you two cups when you're, if you're going to buy a car. And it's cool. And, you know, so I go in there and I look, uh, hey, what about this car? Oh, this car. Oof, you'll never have a worry. I say, will it stay clean like this? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Ten-year warranty on it. Will the upholstery look like this? You got kids? Well, they're grown. Yeah, it'll look like this. <laughs> right, right? Some of you have younger kids. No. Find food from a year ago under the seats. I mean, we, we, we st- we're still finding food, French fries and stuff. And our kids are 30. It's really... I need a new car, by the way. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, well, how does it run? Oh, this thing. Just perfect. Just absolutely perfect. You know, does it use much gas? Gas? You never. You just drive by every gas station for years. You don't even bother by it. You, I'll take it. You know. You just, it's so cool, right? So then you get it out, and reality hits, right? You know. And I don't know. The radiator hose goes out on it, and so you come back. And so what I do is I just drive it right into the showroom. You know, because that's where it came from, right? They, just, they got those big doors. I just drive it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Get out of here! Out of here! Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! What's this? This is last year's model. That's just passe, man. Get that thing out of here. It's going to scare people. It's making rattling noises and smoking and French fries under the seas. Get it out of here. Well, where should I take it? Around back. You ever been around back? You like to eat in restaurants? Go around back sometime. You won't like to eat there anymore, right? Go in the kitchen just one time. You won't eat there anymore. You go around back, and you usually, you know, I've gone around back there, that's where it really happens, right? And if you're going to buy a new car, I don't care where you buy it from, 
don't go to the showroom first. Go back and talk to the mechanic and say, hey, what do you think of this model? <laughs> I would never buy that thing. That is it. We make more money repairing that in the first year than you paid for it. This is a wreck. Well, what do you think of this model? Oh, uh, the clutch goes out. And all this. What do you think? This is the model. This is the model you want. You know, yeah, maintenance and stuff, but that's the model you want. You ask the guy in the front, oh, how's this model? Oh, it's just incredible, right? I'm not teasing about this. You go around back, but it's dirty and greasy, and they don't give you any coffee back there. Not even, you bring your own styrofoam cup, they won't even give you a cup of Java. And I think, see, I would much rather sit in the showroom. But that's not where real life is, is it? That's not where people with broken, messy, busted cars live, is it? That's not where, verse 1, the tax collectors and the sinners and the lame and the refugees and the blind and the people living under the overpass live. Where they live is in the back, just where I live, really. Because I'm broken, and I'm messy, and I'm sinful, and I'm needy of a Savior every single day of my life. And what I'd love to see God do more and more, and I think we're, I think, I think we're a long way down this road already as a church, but I'd love to see Jesus change us that we're not in, in no way are we a showroom church, right? And I mean, I like nice stuff. I'm not, I'm not, we still have nice things and whatnot. That's not what we're talking about. But that, that our spirits and our welcome and individually outside of the church, because we're the church there, but when, then when we gather together, that just translates here. We're the church there and then we're the church here gathered. That out there in your schools and your neighborhoods and your, where you work, that the least of these, and that the least of these would be welcomed in, the, the folks on the fringe and the folks on the edge, and that you'd be, you'd, that God would just make you and me more honest about who we are and how great he is, that I'm a mess, yet he's rescuing me every day. He's just doing, making changes, and, you know, I'm, I'm not always... I'm not always pleasant with my wife, and yet Jesus forgive, is forgiving me, and he's just slowly but surely, slowly but surely making me a more listening husband or a more graceful husband. Um, see, that's what people need to know, because these people come in and they hear us talk about our marriages, and it's not like everything's just perfect. And they go like, well, my marriage is not perfect. I don't fit here, right? but as we're honest about those things, but about how Christ is helping us. So he gets the glory in that. And I pray that Paseo del Rey would become, we're not a showroom church. I think we have a lot of really great honesty and transparency, and I think that's really good. I want to see, I think we need to have more so that the people of Chula Vista, who are just as broken as we are, you see, we're all young, the younger brother, but some of us have also become the older brother. And I pray that so that you would experience more joy of the Father and that they would experience joy of the Father, that Jesus would change us from the inside out and that we would be more honest with people that we, God's put us with 
so that Jesus gets more glory, so that his story is told more and more in our relationships. It's about him, not about how we've gotten things together, but how he does. You know, in Paseo, we just got, we have so many really cool things that we're involved with. Um, um, the, the foster care ministry, you know, wow, that's a messy ministry. That's a really messy ministry. Just where Jesus would be, right? That's who he'd be gathered with. The kids that have had just really difficult homes and things haven't worked well. I think of our um, just 10 miles from here, the poverty that some of our friends live in across the border and the ministry we have of helping to build houses for some of these people. Wow, that's, that's the real thing. That's where Jesus would be. Or I think of this, this brave group of people that are going to go to not too far from the border of Syria to a town called Zarka in Jordan in a couple of weeks to take the gospel message to people who have, some of them have lost everything and have fled from the war in Syria and the w- battles in, in Iraq and have come and have settled in Jordan to take the gospel to them. Wow, that's where Jesus would be. Ladle Fellowship in two weeks. That's a messy ministry. I wash my hands really good when I come home from Ladle Fellowship. A couple hundred homeless, basket-pushing people. That's where Jesus would be, right? Two Sundays from now. So there's just all kinds of places near us and far. The vulnerable of Belize, where Gary and George are. The vulnerable, our water project in Rwanda. Vulnerable, messy people. You know? That's where Jesus, I just pray that Jesus would change us from the inside out. So I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters here. And I thank you, Jesus, that you rescued us rebel sons and daughters. We are all rebels at heart. And Jesus, I pray too, you would rescue us from our self-righteous antics and our self-righteous pretending. And really that pretending that we're more righteous than we are, it's just a symptom of how deeply rebellious we really are. Jesus, may we, may you rescue us from that and may we See that when we're, we are all the same, we are all broken and messy, and we are all in need of your rescue, your salvation, every single day. And may there be more and more joy in your presence in our lives and in lives of people who have not yet come to understand your love. That's what we want. That your name would be glorified, and you would be praised forever and ever at the grace that you have poured out upon rebel sons and daughters like us. In Jesus' name.